You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, Phoebe. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Good. How have you been going this week answering that question and not saying busy? You've been doing right. How, how hard is that? I've found that so difficult this, this week. How you doing? Good. Doing well. Have you, have you found that? I'm just put this up. Someone had the great idea of starting a busy swear jar. So that's what we're going to do here. I've got it here. This is the busy swear jar. If you come into church and you say, oh, busy, first one $10, second one $150. That's how we're going to make... <laughs> That's how we're going to make budget here at Harborside Church. So I'm kidding, but it's not a bad idea, is it? The busy swear jar. How are you going with the challenge of last week? Matt mentioned it a little bit before. Choosing what is better. It's not easy, is it? In my small group this week, we're talking about it. I've heard from different small group leaders that we've been talking about what it means to choose what is better. With some people, you know, choosing turn, turn the TV off. You know, choosing family over the TV, or choosing to put our phones down, choosing family over the phone, or or choosing to really take hold of our calendars. Some people have now chosen not to to serve a church, and they will not be welcome here anymore, so that's, no. (laughs) I'm joking, but I tell you what, it's hard, isn't it? Church is in the mix of our busy lives. How do we do this? Making room for what is better takes determination, doesn't it? It takes a vision for our lives. I tell you what, it takes the Spirit of God to do his work in us, to reveal to us where we need to change. Each of us has made a great decision to be here this morning. I'm not making a comment to anyone who's not here, of course, but we've made a good decision to be here, to prioritise the things of God and to be with God's people because we need each other on this crazy, busy journey, don't we? As has been made pretty clear, we're in our Crazy Busy series. This is our second week in our Crazy Busy series. This uh, series is based on a great little book written by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy, and it's available on the info desk. We've got it in book form. You can get it on an audio CD. You can also get it on Audible. Uh, A bunch of us bought the book last week. Anyone buy the book last week? A bunch of us. Keep your hand up if you have been too busy to read one page. That, yep. Stand up, get out. I'm kidding. But uh, I totally relate to that. Here's a question we really want to be coming back to all the time, which is, why are we talking about this at church? What's busyness got to do with our spiritual lives? Well, we looked at this last week, and it's so important, isn't it? When we are crazy busy, we put our souls at risk. When we're crazy busy, we put our souls at risk. At risk. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking what it means to be crazy busy and all that stuff. Before we go any further, I thought just two little things by way of clarification, if that's okay. First thing is, the solution to being crazy busy is not to become a lazy bum, right? That's pretty obvious, but we've been joking about that this week. Not giving us stuff about other people and our world and our church and our community is not the solution to being crazy busy, is it? Secondly, when we're talking about crazy busy, we're not talking about being engaged. Right? We're not talking about engagement. We want to be people who are engaged, don't we? In our church, in our community, in our families, in our workplaces. We want to be engaged. But there's a difference between overwhelmed, anxiety-inducing busy 
and engagement, isn't there? Now, we need spiritual wisdom and insight to work that out. But there's a difference there. Okay, I'm going to pray, then we're going to dive in. Would you join me? I think we, we need the Lord this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're not going to pray that you would be present with us right now because we know that you are. But Lord, would we be more aware of your presence? Would we be engaged in all that we do this morning as we sing and now as we open up your word and, and we want to hear from you? I pray that I would get out of the way. I'm but a broken vessel trying to bring the truth of God to your people. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak through me. Lord, help us to hear well this morning what you want us to do, how you want us to be, how you want our hearts to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. This is not an overstatement by any stretch. If you know me well, you'll know this to be true. I do not have a green thumb. I just don't. When it comes to the garden, Alison's laughing at me. She knows. She's, she's an amazing gardener. i got no idea. When it comes to the garden, I used to mow the lawn. That's about it, right? Um, but on my balcony, there, we've been in this apartment for a year, there's a planter box that has just been growing very, very healthy weeds from it. Here it is here. There's a picture of this planter box. I don't know what that white thing is, a broken piece of something, but doesn't that just look shameful? This planter box that's just been mocking me with the, the, the awfulness of it. We had a break a little uh, over December, January, had a few weeks off, and I just, it was, was talking at me, convicting me, and I like having projects when I'm on holiday, so I thought, I oh, know. I'm going to do something about that. So I said, Josh, to our elders, come on, Josh, let's go do something about that. Let's go make that beautiful and surprise mum. So we go down to the local nursery and we buy some, some succulents. That's cactus, by the way. If you didn't know, I didn't know. And uh, we went there and apparently they're really hard to kill. So I thought, perfect. Went and got them, came back really excited, made a huge mess. And there it is in all its glory. Doesn't it look nice? It's flowering cactus. It looks beautiful. It's awesome. Then this is very me. Later on in the day, on our terrace, I noticed another pot that's been really neglected, just resplendent with weeds on the same day. I thought, right, come on, Josh, we're going to do that one as well. And so we get down to the, the nursery, same place, and we buy some more succulents, and then a different person served me at the counter. And he was, you know, we're talking about it, and he goes, oh, do you want to get some special succulent soil? I'm thinking, oh, um, I didn't get any before. Uh, I mean, cactuses live in the desert, right? They need special soil. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, what happens if you plant them in normal soil? He said, well, they retain a lot of water. I'm like, yes, so? He goes, well, they die. Okay, give me some of the soil. So I get the special soil, go home, plant the second one, and that's fine. But as you're, you're tracking with me, you probably figured out, you're a smart bunch, you figured out the other one, that original planter box, that I've planted them in regular soil, not this new special soil. didn't look that different to me, but anyway, special soil. And they're looking great. This photo was taken a little while ago. They're looking great, but actually a few weeks later, the leaves now are looking a bit mm, tired. The shine's gone off them. So now I'm faced with this decision, right? I'm faced with, can I be bothered digging out these succulents, getting rid of the regular soil, putting the new soil in, and repotting the plants. By the way, I'm very much urging on the side of, no, I couldn't be bothered. I'm faced with that decision, though, because they're getting kind of worse and worse looking. This morning, you and I are faced with a similar decision. 
Dave, what are you talking about? Well, you see, the symptom that's coming to the surface in so many of our lives is that we're crazy busy. Okay? That's the presenting symptom. Last week, we looked at the truth that being crazy busy puts our souls at risk because it steals our joy and robs our hearts. But the question is, why are we this way? What's making us crazy busy? What's driving us to the point of exhaustion? Now, there are many people trying to tell us why we're crazy busy. Time management problems, scheduling problems, disorganisation, bad communication, probably many more. And some or all of those reasons might be true. And we can try and address this crazy busy issue by mastering our calendars, you know, implementing some great time management techniques. But it's not enough, is it? Missing the point. See, as Christians, we know the problem's not our schedules, and it's not the world out there. That's the easy target, isn't it? That's just that's easy to point the finger. The problem is in here. It's with us. The chaos in our life is because our inner world is disordered. Now, today, we've got the opportunity to, to do some deeper work on our hearts this morning, and the rest of the series are just like me with the choice of having to dig up those plants to address the problem. We also must go deeper into our souls to uncover the reason we do things. Got to do a bit of surgery this morning. Might be a bit painful. That's good for us because we're after lasting change, aren't we? Going back to the illustration with the plants, I can, oh, okay, well, here's the solution. What do you do with plants most of the time? You water them. That's good for most, but it's not going to do well with these cactus. And we can just go, yeah, yeah, let's just try and work on the surface of things and work on good techniques. But it's not going to really address the problem, is it? We've got to do some uprooting. We're after lasting change. I don't want to just skirt on the surface of things. So let's do some deep work. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Well, too bad we've locked the doors, so here we go. Why are we crazy busy? This morning we're looking at we are crazy busy because of our pride. We are crazy busy because we are prideful. Kind of, that's a heavy thing to say. I kind of feel the weight of that statement. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? Okay, well, what does that even mean? What does pride even look like? Well, let's spend a bit of time looking at some examples. Now, you're not going to relate to every one of them. Some of them will miss the mark, but some of them will hit right on as they have with me this week. And they all start with P, which is really helpful. Some of them are also related, but you're going to get the gist of it. I think it's helpful to go through them. So what does pride look like? Pride can look like people-pleasing. Pride can look like people-pleasing. And what do I mean by that? Well, the very definition of being busy is having too many things on at the same time, right? And why are we like that? Because often we say yes to too many people. Why? Because we want them to like us. And we have a fear of people's disapproval. We say yes to a lot of things because we fear what people will think of us if we say no. Anyone relate to that? It's a major issue for some of us. Now, of course, there's a difference between being kind, loving others, serving sacrificially, and people-pleasing. Think about this. Think of someone, you know, you you might have the reputation of being the nicest person in the world, right? Which is great. But why do you have that? It might be very virtuous. You might want to serve like Christ has served you. Fantastic. But 
That might be a goal in itself, to be the nicest person in the world. So even our motivation for doing things is self-centered because it's serving that goal, you see. And that, unfortunately, is a manifestation of pride. Our reputation is why we do things. Not only is this quite a self-centered way to live, you know what it also does? It makes us miserable. Because we are living and dying by other people's disapproval. This is a roller coaster ride. A terrible one. Pride can look like people pleasing. Pride can also look like pats on the back. Now, this is an obvious one, isn't it? Praise. Right? Similar to people pleasing, but more motivated for glory rather than fear. If I do this, I'm going to be the hero in the office. I'm going to be the champion of the team. I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this one a lot. Let me ask, has, has anyone heard of the five love languages before? Have you guys heard of that? Yep, I'm getting some nods. It was made famous about 20 years ago by Gary Chapman. He wrote this book about how we often give and receive love in different ways, five different ways. Do you know what they are? First one is sort of acts of service, gifts, quality time, physical touch, and words of affirmation. Now, after 15 years of marriage, um, I'm discovering my wife is all five of them, which is great for me. But most of us are, no, it's great. But most of us are a mix kind of, of about, you know, one or two of them. I am words of affirmation massively. It's probably worse than my wife being all five. Words of affirmation, that's how I give and receive love. It's my love language. Now, that's fine. I think that's how God has made me. That's my personality. But it's got a shadow side. It's got a shadow side. It can take over the reason for me doing things. I can easily trick and deceive myself, thinking, no, 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 I'm doing this to serve these people. I'm doing this for... But often I just want the recognition. Any of you relate to that? We want people to notice you. We want to be a place where encouragement is commonplace, right? Absolutely. But what are the motivations of our hearts for doing things? I want people to notice me. And I tell you what, us preachers, some of we can be the worst. We struggle with this too. A mentor of mine once told me of a pastor that struggled with this, particularly in his preaching. There aren't many preachers that don't, okay? And uh, his weekly prayer early on a Sunday morning has stuck with me. I think it was beautiful. He said, Lord, I want people to think well of me, but I want them to think more of you. Don't you love that? I just love the honesty of his heart. Lord, I'm struggling with this, but I want people to think more of you. Great prayer. Let's keep moving on. I think these are kind of, some of these are a bit similar. The next one, poor planning. We often take on too much, failing to delegate work to others, don't we? I know I do this. Why? Because we want the glory. We're threatened that others might receive the praise that we're vying for. Pride can look like poor planning. Pride can also look like proving ourselves. If I just get these things done, then I'll really know that I've got what it takes. If I just get these little things done, then, then they will know that I've got what it takes. Pride can look like proving ourselves. Pride can look like prestige, quite similar. If I achieve this, then finally I'll be somebody. 
Have you ever said that? Have you heard somebody say that? We, don't, we wouldn't really articulate ourselves like that, would we? But it might be the cry of our hearts. If I can achieve this, then I'll finally be somebody. I don't know if you've seen that famous Rocky One movie from 1976, Sylvester Stallone. I don't know if you've seen it. It's pretty dated now. But it's a great, Miggs is loving it, yeah. It's a great movie. It really is a fantastic movie. And Rocky Sylvester Stallone says this really famous line. He's about to fight Creed, who's like the world champion. And, uh, but someone, the, the opponent he was going to fight dropped out, and Rocky kind of is a bit of a last-minute addition to the fight. And he's going to get creamed, most likely. He's just, but Rocky's, and he says this before the fight. He says, if I can go that distance... And that bell rings, you know, and, and I'm still standing. I'm going to know for the first time in my life, you see, that I weren't just another bum from the neighbourhood. If I can just do this, then I'll know I'll be somebody. Pride can look like prestige. Pride can also look like performance evaluation. What do I mean by that? This is a good one. If I don't do this, no one will. Ever thought that? What's the infamous saying? Okay, finish this sentence for me. If you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. It's part of our culture. I remember hearing that when I was very young. and We take that to be just truth, don't we? How many of us think like that? It can't survive without me. Couldn't possibly. Um, Pip, me and the kids, we had the first Sunday of the year off. It was like the first Sunday we had since launch. It was a weird experience. Pip and I, like, we knew it was happening. We were out of town and no one texted us after the service. Like, what, what's happened? What do you mean? No one's contacting us. It was, it was a strange experience. Got back from holidays and it, we got John Bucket to preach, preach on Psalm 1. He's here this morning. I got back. How was it? Oh, it was awesome. You, you missed the best Sunday. It was so good. Had heaps of visitors. John preached so well. And, and because I love you and I love the church, I'm thinking, yeah, awesome. And because I'm a terrible sinner, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> it can't be awesome without us. That's not right. The place should have burnt down. It should have flopped without us. It's part of my sinful heart thinking, no, can't happen without us. Can't survive without me. Now, what I'm about to say, it's nuanced, okay? So let's just listen carefully. You are dispensable. You are dispensable. It's got to be nuanced. In almost all of our relationships, in our family, and all that kind of stuff, that is not true. But I think we give so much of our heart to our workplaces, which is great. We need to think about how we can incarnate Christ in those spaces, how we can live out the truth of the gospel in our work, all that great stuff. But sometimes I think, man, we think we are indispensable. The truth is we are replaceable like that. That hurts. I remember being in a lift when I was working at Zurich Insurance with someone who was, I think they were head of HR, I can't quite remember. He was having a chat with someone else and quite, someone quite prominent in the company was leaving. He'd been there 40 years. And he said, oh, what are you going to give him? As, you know, what are you going to get? Like a gift, is like a gold watch or something? He said, I don't know, I'll open the bottom drawer and see what's there. And I just, no, that's not, I'm sure they were appreciative, but it really hit me. This guy's been there 40 years, and he's getting a gift that's collecting dust in a drawer. We are dispensable. Does that hurt your pride to hear that? I don't blame you if it does. 
Okay. Pride can look like performance evaluation. Last one. Pride can also look like posting. If you're over 60, you can just go ahead and tune out for the next minute or so. Why on earth do so many of us spend so much time posting on social media? Thanks, Matt, for being honest about your screen time before. That was convicting, eh, for some man. Are you going to go home and do that? I'm scared to. Why on earth do so many of us spend so much time posting on social media? Because we want people to like us. It literally says like, doesn't it, on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, I'm not trying to bring down the whole system. I get it. But we just want those likes, don't we? Want those great comments? What's our heart motivation there? See, here's the thing. As Christians living in this world, we've got to be thinking about, okay, no culture is without sin. No culture has no flaws, right? And no culture is completely corrupt. So as Christians, we've got to think, okay, what what parts of our culture can we really champion, get behind? Because there's some common grace there. There's some good stuff. And what things do we really need to think critically about? So social media, as an example, it's not corrupt. Not at all. But how do we think about it theologically and critically? We've got to be thinking about it well. What does it bring out in us that is not so healthy? Pride can also look like posting. Okay, that's the list of the seven Ps. That's been tough to hear, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but it's quite convicting, and it should be. It's not comfortable. See, this is our sinful hearts on display. It's not comfortable. And what does the Bible have to say about pride? Let's have a quick look at a few Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honour. Now, we know this to be true, don't we? I don't think there'd be many people outside the church that wouldn't affirm these statements. But some of you might be thinking, maybe God's hopefully doing some work as we sort of get down into the seed of our pride here. You might be thinking, man, those seven Ps, that's kind of how I live. I mean, it's so natural to live this way. I, I I know humility is the right path, but how do I do it? I feel like I'm kind of powerless to live like that. I've got a pretty sobering answer for us this morning. We can't stop living this way. You and I, we cannot stop living this way on our own. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me explain. You see, I can't just say to you this morning, hey, pride's bad, be humble, peace out. Okay? I'm not going to do that. It's not going to work, is it? Maybe for a little while it might work, but what we've got to do is we've got to address things that are deeper than the will. Body, emotions, will, heart. We've got to get below the will. Let me give you an example. Imagine I'm trying to help a young man uh, overcome lust. It's never happened before, so you've got to use your imagination here. But that's a joke. Um, But imagine me counselling this young guy. I'm struggling with this. And I go, go, okay, mate, you know, what you've got to do is give me your devices. I'll put some stuff on there and just use your self-control, man. Just, Just be disciplined. Now, there's a place for that, absolutely, but it's not where we start. 
You see, I can just say, do those things, and he'll, have you heard the term, white-knuckle it? Yeah, he'll just white-knuckle it. I'll just, if I just try, and that's the will. It's not going to last. You've got to get to the heart of the problem, the, the reason this issue is out of control. We've got to get to the tap root and kill it. That's going to take more than the rest of, you know, 10 more minutes of this sermon, but it's a start. See, okay, if you haven't been listening to anything else, this next sentence is key. It's going to help us really explain stuff. This experience of the crazy, busy life, this manifestation of pride, it reveals the state of our hearts, and it makes us yearn for God. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. This experience that we're all living, this crazy, busy experience, that's the symptom coming to life, to the surface. And you know what? The reason is, is it's, it's our pride, and, and we, we're talking about it, and it stinks, and we're offended by it, and that's good, because it makes us think, how do I, I can't get out of this on my own. It's meant to push us towards God. We all need Jesus. That's the truth of this message today. We all need Jesus And what we need is just not a great example to look to. What we need is somebody to experience this life perfectly for us, live it on our behalf, and rescue us, and that's exactly what we get. Philippians 2 says, it was read so well by Pip, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus didn't use his position for pride to get ahead for his own advantage. Some translations have to be grasped. He did not consider it something to be grasped, something to hold on to. It's mine. I'm not letting it go. Who's got young kids? I mean, how often do you hear, that's mine? We're heaps sophisticated. We would never think like that, would we? It's mine, but that's what we do. But Jesus lets it go. Made himself nothing, took on the role of a servant, became a human, the created one, became a created being. Helping himself all the more by being obedient to death, death on a cross. The ultimate act of humility And this is what you and I can never do. Now, let's be clear on this as well. Paul is not just saying at all, here's your example. This is what Jesus did. Now live like this. Because that's a a religious version of try harder and do better. That's working on the will. No, he's saying, let the enormity of this sink deep down into your hearts. Let the wonder that the king of the universe chose humility over pride to rescue you, let that be the bedrock of your heart. Dwell on the sacrifice Christ made for you and let it move you. Let that be the seat of your affection. Now, this means transferring our trust away from ourselves and resting in Jesus. You know what it means? It means saying, I can't do this. This is uncomfortable. We're doing surgery this morning, aren't we? These things are coming, oh my gosh, this is how I live. How do I get out of this? I can't can't do this. 
It means saying, Father, accept me, not because of what I've done or because of what I'll ever do, but because of what Jesus has done in my place. When we do that, we are adopted into God's family, given the right to his eternal fatherly love. And then let that become the foundation stone of our hearts. Now, when this occurs, we can live our lives in a radically different way. That's how we change our behavior. It's a complete reversal of our culture, but it is the way of life. I just want to spend the next couple of minutes teasing this out. Okay, so that sounds great. How do we do it? Let's go back to our list. There they are. Those awful peas. Allow me to finish with this. Pride can look like people pleasing. Let's address that one first. How does the gospel, the good news of Jesus, address people pleasing? You know what? We don't have to be fearful of other people's disapproval. Of course we're going to still care what people think of us. There's only kind of weirdos who just don't care at all about what people think. I care. But we're not going to live and die by it. Why? Because through Jesus we have complete acceptance and approval from our Heavenly Father. This frees us. I love that new song, Living Hope. This is the living hope of the gospel. We are freed from being controlled by making decisions out of fear, of disapproval. We can now make healthy decisions, people-pleasing. Go on. And the next one, pat on the back. It's a tough one. We can be secure in the knowledge of God's love for us in the gospel. Of course, it's always nice to get encouragement. Like I said, we want to be a place where that is true. But you know what? The lack of it or the presence of criticism, it won't crush us. It won't shatter us because it's not where we tap real meaning. That has been replaced because we're satisfied in God's immense love for us. Poor planning. The gospel said poor planning. You know what? The gospel frees us from jealousy and being a glory hog. We can not only give people opportunities to succeed, but we can celebrate them. We want to see others lifted up as Christ lifted us up. Proving ourselves and prestige. We are free from this horrific journey of proving ourselves and seeking prestige to be somebody because we are somebody in Christ. Children of God, oh, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. No one can ever take that away from us. That's proving ourselves and prestige. What about performance evaluation? We are free from thinking it's all on us. That burden has been taken away. We don't have to do it all because Jesus has done it all. It's not about us anymore. It's about Jesus. Posting. After dwelling on the truth of the gospel, we'll be excited to work for the fame and glory of our Saviour rather than ourselves. This will radically change our behaviour on social media. Now, I'm not saying every post has got to have a Bible verse or a cross on it or something like that at all, but we'll be free from seeking affirmation from others online because we've got all we need in Jesus. Jesus uproots our pride Because knowing Christ had to die for us, it's a confronting thing. 
There was no other way he could deal with our enormous mountain of sin. It humbles us. It's what we need to hear. Brings us low, but he also brings us up because he was willing to do it. That's how loved we are. I tell you what, who doesn't struggle with this? After doing some surgery this morning, some deep work, there's going to be a bit of mess. There's going to be some hurt and some pain. I'm going to invite the worship team up now. Thanks, Steph and Beth. And I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer that God would continue to do his work in our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Just bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's just be still for a minute. Heavenly Father, I think a lot of what we've said this morning has been quite convicting. It's difficult to hear. It's difficult to have our sin on display and talked about. Father God, lead us to a place of saying, if we're not yet put our hope and our trust in you, if we're not yet would call ourselves followers of you, lead us to a place of surrender saying, I cannot do this anymore. I put my hands up. I need you, Lord. Lord, many of us in the room have already done that, some of us many, many years ago. We ask that you'd continue to lead us to a place of humility daily, of saying, we can't do this. Free us from just the burden of people-pleasing, wanting to get pats on the back, wanting to think we've got to prove ourselves. Lord, the gospel frees us from these things. It is indeed a living hope. You are our living hope, Jesus, and we live that out every day. We need each other for this, Lord. So I ask midweek in our groups that you would help us talk about this and apply it to our lives. Father, we thank you for this community, and we ask that you'd, you'd take this sinful bunch of people and make it into something beautiful as you do. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>